Hi there. This is Neil Satin, the host of Relationship Alive. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning into the podcast and to let you know you are not alone. In fact, there are thousands of other people listening. And so I created a spot on Facebook called the Relationship Alive Community, where we can actually gather to talk more about the topics covered here on the Relationship Alive podcast. Every so often, I'll even throw in a special offer or two as well. You can search for the Relationship Alive Community on Facebook or text the word TOGETHER to the number 33444 and I'll send you a link to take you right to the community on Facebook. Looking forward to seeing you there. And now, on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Have you found a way to expand your view of what's even possible for you in relationship? Do you have hidden beliefs that are getting in the way of feeling safe and connected? How much is the past keeping you out of the present? And one more question, do you have strategies to enhance when things are going right so that they can go even more right? Today's episode is going to be a little different Many of the guests on Relationship Alive have been best-selling authors and are people you recognize, and they've all influenced my own growth, both in relationship and in my work with clients. That being said, one of my most influential teachers over the past several years is someone that you probably haven't heard of, at least not until today, but her work has been profound for me in creating both deep inner transformation, as well as helping me and my partner Chloe navigate the twists and turns of our relationship. Her name is Gabrielli LaChiara, and she's the creator of the Infinity Healing Practice, a combination of neuroscience, energy healing, and shamanism. Gabrielli is a gifted healer and teacher and also a trained social worker, and she leads workshops and trainings on the East and West Coast. In this conversation, she's on fire as we dive into the special recipe of how to get unstuck and how to make a good relationship great. There's some special magic at the very end as well, so make sure you listen all the way through. On top of that, if you download the show guide at neilsatin.com infinity, or text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, that will qualify you to win a free copy of the first session of Gabrielli's most recent teleclass, which is called Magic, Are You Willing? It's going to be a magical time today. So, Gabrielli LaChiara, thank you so much for being here with us on Relationship Alive. Mm, thank you for having me. I'm wondering if we could take a moment and if you could just give our audience a little bit of a background in who you are and, and how you came to do this kind of work. Sure. Um, let's see where I want to start with that. I, I Relationships have been at the core of all of my own personal healing um, my exploration, my inspiration, my devastation, relationships on on every level have have been the like the 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 guiding post and um, inspiration for change and healing uh, and 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 to be the channel I I get to be at this time. So so I go back and I think of myself as a as a tiny one and the stories that my family has about my the way I would light up 
when with, in relationships and my desire very early on, by the time I was eight, I was babysitting other children and talking about being a teacher and wanting to be close and intimate. And um, my life was filled with friends and connections and, and that's just never stopped. Um, I came in driven to understand relationships on every level, not just those that were intimate in love and sexual with, but, but all of them. And, and so I, you know, so I, I traveled myself into social work school and, and out. And, um, and I would say that my 10 years post that work field, you know, being, being in the workforce for 10 years as a clinical social worker, the birth of my child was the single most important relationship that changed me permanently and set the stage for a lot of key questions. Like what is it that brings happiness to people? What is it that, what is it that I would do on behalf of my child that I wouldn't for my partner? Uh, what is it that I would change in myself, uh, it, you know, in the, in this world that I would want changed in my family and in my home that in partnership I was mm, stubborn or angry or resistant or waiting. And so that's just a little bit to say that relationships have been so important to me um, and that they have been my... Um, platform. Two marriages, three huge relationships uh, that all failed in most the most beautiful ways, <laughs> gave lots of information for how to make something be successful. So, so there's a lot in there, but um, that's, how I, that's how I come to this work. And how would you describe what you actually do? Because when, when I'm sitting in a room with you or, um, you know, when Chloe and I are sitting in a room with you, we're not just it's not just like a therapy session. There's right. something more happening. Right. Well, I started out as a clinical social worker slash therapist, psychotherapist in that field and, and found even in the course of uh, my work in that field that I got a lot of feedback about my intuition, um, that somehow the, the things that would come out of my mouth seemed to be the right things to say. Uh, I had a skill in particular at diffu diffusing really tough situations and would tend to be in the midst of families or couples or uh, with children that were really some of the most difficult um, and intense situations that really existed in that workforce that I was in. And after I gave birth to my son, I, I, I got such a clear um, knowing and, I, and 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 for lots of reasons not to go back to that work in that typical fashion and and put myself into um kind of the position of needing to create work for myself and so I started a private practice through the course of that private practice uh working on relationships whether those were mother daughter relationships or couples or whole families um I just began to learn that my intuitive gift was a lot bigger than I was aware of. Um, and, and that channel opening through me, um, either by, uh, empathic responses of my body or awarenesses or, um, psychic, uh, uh, information that I could bring forth seems to be a, an incredible guiding post in my work with others. Um, so I would say now I'm this blend, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by the practical and I'm equally fascinated and, inspired by the mystic. And so what I bring to the table in a session or in the work is both the capacity to perceive, receive information, connect to the work related to our spirits in relationship, 
and to be present in the emotions and the communication skills and the basic practical safety and structures and agreements that are required by humans to um, in order to be safe and healthy in, a, in an ongoing partnership. Yeah, did one, get- you did. Yeah. And one thing that I really appreciate about working with you and learning from you is that there's, there is this, um, this weight that's given to what you think about something and what you feel about something. So we're talking about head and heart, but mm-hmm. then we're also elevating to this level of spirit that okay. I, I feel like it really helps us remove ourselves from the picture a little bit and get more, tap more into the, the objective or our, our attempts at the objective reality of what's going on. So we're distancing ourselves from our projections a little bit and able to right. see what's actually really happening right here mm-hmm. and, and how do we separate from our stories and connect with something higher, our higher selves, the, our purpose on mm-hmm. as beings on the planet. Yeah, that was really well said. I I, I am... I think about uh, what Harville Hendricks terms as the Imago match, and uh, and I was fascinated with uh, the Imago match in in the and 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 I haven't actually like sat and researched current information, but but what I what stuck with me and what um, has been primary to me is this idea that you know that that our lovers the the relationship romantically that we pick um, often has this uh, incredible gifted possibility of healing us. And that we we match ourselves to somebody who, whether that's uh, mannerisms, whether that's practical things they do, the work that they choose, their personality, um, how they take care of us, the way they touch the back of our neck, uh, we match to something that offers like uh, n- incredible um, comfort for us in in hope, and and we simultaneously match with uh, the wounds. So we have co-partnered um, wounds that. Uh, interface. And, and it's in that place that that we get so unsafe with one another because um, both we think our partners have everything to heal that wound and yet they have all the keys to, to um, re-wounding us in some of the deepest and pr- most primary ways. So it's, it's this this um, it's made me think of that in terms of what we come to the table with is so much bigger than just um, did you hear me? Could you hear my words? Are you willing to meet my needs? Which is there too. Right. So it sounds like what you're talking about is this greater healing journey that that both people in a, in a relationship are right. on. Right. And, and that that's bigger than, because I think if you get stuck in the question of getting your needs met and you never look at, well, what... Why do you even have those needs? Like, what are, right. what are where are those needs coming from? Um, right. There's so much more potential for for growth in a relationship because a lot of those needs are about. Well, and this is I'm saying this, but it's kind of because I've learned it from you that a lot of those needs are about um, how we're controlling the other person or attempting to control the other person to to stay safe in relationship. 
you're you're making me think of this kind of this this vision you know where where these beautiful soul driven spirits that decide at some point cool let's have a body <laughs> and and then we you know somehow we dive in and jump into this genetic line uh, a family history line into a, a body of our our mothers whether that birth mother is the parent to raise us or not uh that that connection happens and and we are immediately uh in a form where uh from the second we're conceived, there's awareness that relationship is the primary to keeping me alive. Mm. That that I cannot survive without this relationship. Uh, that little embryo can't get anywhere without the mother's care. And so, so immediately in the in those moments of um, the synapses are so small, and the moments of connection as we begin to grow a human body, we're, we're, we already have stepped into the paradigm of relationship full on. We, we move through this, this body and this organism as we develop and we, we start to assess already while we're in utero uh, what thoughts, what beliefs, what genetic structures are informing what's going to give me the greatest potential to live, to survive. That's primary to every single one of us all the time. So we, we go through this process and then we're born and we're breathing air and we're looking around and now we have maybe more than one person, maybe one, maybe more, that we um, are informed by as we assess those same questions. What is it that's required in order for me to stay alive, to survive this experience? And, and, and I can't help but imagine that, that in utero, the mother is God. Like, you know, whatever you call that, there's... It have, we're one with that force, you know, that that is our spirit is, is alive in this form because of this body. And that, that as we um, are born and grow into the family and then overlay that to our families, the significance, importance of how we do relationship, it, it never changes. It's, it's happening to us 100% of the time, I think, our whole lives. Whether we eventually grow up angry or happy or we get wounded or abused or if we're healthy, um, whether we're successful at it, it never really goes away. That awareness that we're born because of um, another. I think those overlays are in every single lover that we choose. Some idea that they can help us fix whatever it is that confused us early on or that they can be the, the ticket to freedom that says, yes, finally, now you're going to be okay because I'm going to be the one to tell you so, right? Mm. So those needs that, that have been so confused and um, managed by our families of origin, they have to come through our beloveds, right? Right. So with that in mind, it makes me wonder when, when you're working with a couple – what are some of the typical things that you see going on mm -hmm. for people who are stuck in that surviving mode? Yeah. And, and some people aren't even at surviving because it's they're, you know, in some serious trouble. But let's just say they're at surviving. And so what, are, what do you see happening with them? And what are s some shifts mm -hmm. that you start to make with a couple to, mm -hmm. to get them more toward thriving and out of that overlay? Yeah, it's a great question. When when people come to me, there's um, I'm looking for a couple things. I'm looking to I have a primary question: How safe is this couple? How safe is each person within this relationship? Um, and what does safety mean to each of them? You know, uh, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually as well. Um, 
what does it mean to be safe in this relationship and how far have we stretched those, those safety lines, those borders or those edges? Um, that's a primary question for me. If I look at the stages of relationship in the way that I perceive them and, and I, I see that um, the, the safety that comes often at the beginning of a relationship if I even back up, there's like, we meet, we have that hopeful moment where somehow something about you um, drives me to believe that if I choose you, you choose me, then there's healing to have, to have be happening, that there's joy, that there's comfort, that there's something in my life will happen because of you. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that original honeymoon stage, whether that lasts a minute or a year or five years, um, there's safety in that comfort of believing in that moment that my partner has the, the, the key to my um, aliveness, you mm-hmm. know, to my thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in natural order, we get at some point hurt by that. Humans are humans. We hurt each other. We get disappointed or betrayed or, or our partner abandons us in some ways or hurts our feelings or or it isn't there in that moment that we thought was the moment that would save our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and we have to face the disillusionment and the wounds in that. And, and, and in that's a lot of couples I get to, uh, in that phase, we, we find, we find the, the core wounds that are interlocked. And, and it, a lot of couples that come to me have, are stay, they stay there. Like they may fall off that honeymoon after a month. And this could be three, five, 20 years later, They've never quite figured out what to do next. They get um, there could be phases where there's more stability, so the issues aren't as triggered, but they circle around those same safety issues. Um, and in the core of those issues, I really think we're looking at: Will you abandon me? Like, like really survival brain issues. Will I be abandoned? Am I lovable? Am I actually safe? Um, can I be seen? Am I validated? Am I valued in your eyes? And the, these core survival brain issues are, are, are at the fundamental core of the relationship. Mm. So I might look for how those are playing out. Not that they're all playing out at every moment, but to what degree each, each may be playing out. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so when you, it sounds like what you're saying is that the very first thing that's probably creating issues in a couple has to do with that they're just not feeling like they're safe in the container of their relationship on some level. Yes. Yes. Right. And that can be to different degrees. It could be safety because there was an affair. It could be a safety issue that's real that, that, you know, we'll look at, are there, are there big safety issues that may in fact even be deal breakers? Are we dealing with a relationship that does need to end because something there's addiction or abuse or um, those, that level of, of risk in the, in the environment? I may not, that might not get revealed to me for years, even if it was there the first day, but that is a part of what's going on. Um, you know, what are the, the uh, deal breakers for a couple and are any of those operating is something I assess what I'll say is that I simultaneously assess um, where's their greatness, where's the beauty, where's the magic, where's the what's the energy that got the yes to happen. In that yes, what was the purpose? Uh, I want to know. I want to know what what inspired one to um, to want to merge their lives with another human being on such a deep 
primal level, as in sex, sexuality, touch, like home, family, these, these things that we do, we give so much over to our, to our coupleship. So um, I'm equally inspired right away to learn what those, um, what those circuits are that brought the, the, the communion into form. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And do you find that, how do you use, or hmm, is there a way that you use that to, what's a better question? How would you use that magic Mm. as a way to help a couple buoy themselves up Mm -hmm. when they're in challenging moments? Well, the, by the time a couple gets to me, they have had enough patterns uh, or habits or hurts and wounds that are are, are pretty um, familiar to them. They know how to hurt each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's already happening, <laughs> um, spoken or not spoken. I see that like um, almost, almost like its own uh, construct that's occurring. It's a, it's a in fact, um, it's its own entity, like in the relationship. So we have our relationship. We have two separate individual human beings that come together. And when they're together, they form a relationship, uh, almost its own being. It has a, a vibration and a pattern and habits. Um, when there's enough of those negative habits in place, the the energy of what uh, would bring softness and love, greatness, uh, hope, tends to get, um, again, overlaid, which just means it gets... Um, uh, clouded with uh, the pain, mm. and the pain then makes it hard to see where that the rest of that is. So it's helpful to remember that it was there, if it was ever there, uh, and usually it was there. And what then is it? Is it still something we want to um, to fight for? In essence, you know, is it willing? Are we willing to do whatever is going to be required in the next month or years? to restore that and find out what else is available. And that, that needs to be there as part of the commitment before you dive in and do hard work. We need to make sure it was worth and valuable enough to step in, right? Yeah, so you're talking about the commitment to actually doing the work that you would yes. need to do. Yes, so in, so in that, like what gets us there? It makes me think, why bother having this relationship? Yeah. Why bother having any relationship? Good question. So, because so we go to those questions. We're just like, let's ta- take a minute. And sometimes the home play is to send someone out and have them come back to me on their own, each individually, and ask, like, why be in any relationship? What is the purpose and reason for merging your life in this particular way? Um, and if we take it out of being about your partner, why be with this person? Why be with anyone? We get to then find within ourselves the, the, the reason that we want to or don't want to do the work. Because that groove that we will then um, juxtapose, uh, it'll require being able to go into the pain and and have the structures and safety and skills and tools to work through the pain bodies. And it will also require a commitment to nurturing and creating um, a positive influx of energies uh, that can become supportive to the work so that we know when not to work. Yeah, so we know. Yes, describe that a little bit more, like the the positive influx of energies. What does that look like in practice? Sure, well, I I like to work. Um, I do I do a workshop called the Nurtured Couples, and I like to really work on how we see each other. So, what am I seeing in you? Um, like the what's going right? 
Uh, can we develop a framework for what's going right in our relationship? Uh, it requires nitty gritty focus on the positive, like fact finding. And, and there's tools and structures that I work with to teach building the positive. And to me, that's it's, it's fundamental if we're not uh, nurturing and seeing where our partner is um, valuable to us, if we're not meeting that primal need to feel seen and acknowledged and valued, then that in and of itself could break down the ability to heal. Yeah. So I start to look at the, those core issues of abandonment and love and safety and, and being seen, uh, valued, and I put them into play in a positive way. So that over the course of time, we begin to develop structures to come home to when we fall into a contraction or or, or a bad habit. We learn to know when uh, it's a a powerful step in the agreements of a relationship to learn to know when to not fight and when to know that it's over your head. (laughs) When to say, we don't do that very well. We can guarantee ourselves into like a total rewounding, painful place if we go down that road. So when it comes up, how do, what's the protocol? What's the agreement that we make? And, and for me, structures, agreements on a very practical level are really critical. Yeah. What are some of the, the key agreements that you think are important for couples to make? Sure. Uh, that, that one, which is um, knowing when not to argue, uh, knowing when not to feed um, a negative loop. So being able to identify the negative loop and being able to know how to step away from it. So an agreement might be that whichever partner identifies it, throws the red flag on the table and says, we're stopping now. And that there's um, maybe the agreement at that stage would be to both walk away for one hour or one day. And when we return to to pull from our um, toolbox of positive supports and we feed our relationship with something positive. Mm-hmm. So not to say we're not going to address those issues, but to say we know our limitations. Like we know which issues that we can't address on our own without making each other unsafe. The premise being this, like what does it take to be in a relationship where you don't think that your partner is trying to hurt you? I mean, fundamentally, <laughs> yeah. what does it take? Because for me, if that's not there, if we can't build that in, we don't have a lot to stand on. If, if, I'm, if I'm operating constantly feeling like my partner's out to get me, then I'm only going to get so far in my healing with that person. Yeah. And it's just funny because, you know, to hear it set, spelled out like that, like that, that I might be afraid that, that Chloe has it out for me, that, yeah. you know, it sounds so ridiculous on its face. But then at the same time, when you think about how you might respond to when you perceive that your partner just slighted you or didn't yeah. didn't thank you or didn't show you that appreciation, whatever it is, then isn't that that's kind of at the core is like, I'm actually afraid that this person isn't looking out for my highest good. Right, right. And, and rather than wow, that person's wound is operating or they're unconscious in this particular moment. Or for me, I can go back to, uh, and I'm in my relationship now is, is over 11 years, and I can come back to with total comfort. He does not want to hurt me. So if I'm being hurt, something else is going on. Mm. It might be mine. It might be me. I might just be getting hurt because I have a hurt there. It may be that he actually did something that was hurtful to me without knowing I was going to get hurt by it. Uh, that premise is, is life-saving. It, it's, um, and it takes a little while to build it if you don't have it. 
uh, especially if there are transgressions in a relationship where our partners have hurt us and we feel like that's personal, whether it's they have had that affair or they, you know, have been, um, they do have judgment about us. So how do we clean up? And, and to me, this like plays in the, 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 the pathway. So there's safety in a relationship first. Mm-hmm. Once we get that safety, and it includes really working some of these premises, like maybe my partner's not out to get me. And then what? How would I deal with this situation if, if I knew that that was true? You know, the safety. Have we addressed whether or not there are um, what I call exit strategies or, or doors open or somebody's half out of the relationship? And if so, what container do we put in place to step in so that we can do the work for whatever period of time that we're willing to show up for? Yeah, I hear that a lot with um, people who say have doubts in their relationship, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, just this pernicious influence, like, oh, but I I doubt, like, maybe there's a fatal flaw here or something. And, and so it seems like that's a perfect way to keep someone from actually being fully in the relationship. And well, well, he, go ahead. Here, sorry, I'm interrupting you because I'm excited. I do that sometimes. Sorry. <laughs> I go. got excited because the, the, the relationship that's most important 100% of the time is the one I have to myself, my own inner marriage to my masculine and feminine. And, and that doesn't mean male and female, but me, like it's, it's what I got to count on 100% of the time. And we infect it with thoughts about our partners. We infect it with giving them power to make or break whether or not I feel good today. So my happiness depends on whether or not they look at me the way I want them to, or they remember to put their dish on the counter the way I need it, or they, they, whatever it is I think I need them to do, whether they love me the way I think I want to be loved. So, so this power that we give to other to control our state of being and our state of mind is one of the greatest infections we have. Mm. It's not wrong. We just do it just because I use infection doesn't mean I judge. It's, it's just, it's just true. So the, that's why sometimes one person can do a lot of personal work and change a whole marriage. And the other person might not know what happened. Yeah. Not because they went and worked on their partner and figured out what to do for them, but because they married themselves. Mm. Because the purpose of the relationship, if it is to heal ourselves on our partners, that has to be a combined agreement with both partners. If I am in a relationship and I want to heal myself, that's my responsibility. Then I have to figure that out, how to do that for myself, right? Yeah. Um how to do it for yourself and well what would you suggest to someone who feels like they don't have a willing partner who's interested in their own growth and the growth of the relationship yet um mm-hmm. well, let's let's take into let's let's pretend the pre- the pretending is that there are no major deal breakers so nobody's really at risk um we're not talking about somebody who's um who's hurting anyone else in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And let's let's put the pretense in that we've closed the exit. So we know at least that both partners, that the partner who is not willing, quote unquote, to do the work supposedly um, is also not leaving. Right. There's not a threat of leaving. So that the partner who's in it is saying, what do I do? Like they're not threatening our marriage over or our relationship. They're not... Um, they're not doing anything grossly abusive to me or anyone else. They just are not communicating the way I want them to, or they're not kind enough to me, or they don't 
uh, know how to nourish me or they're not seeing my needs or, or, or not seeing who I am, right? Right. That partner then has an incredible opportunity, the one who wants to do that work. Because being those primary issues I named in some ways are a farce, like abandonment, safety, love and being loved and, and being seen or valued. We want all those things. The fact is that in any relationship, those will always, they aren't, we can't be perfect. We're humans. We will do those to each other. So we'll occasionally abandon by not noticing your needs or we'll say the wrong thing at the wrong time or, you know, these things happen. So again, if the person who's committed to change is 100% committed to change within themselves, then they get to do the relationship work internally, which is first, how do I make myself safe? And then what creates stability for me? And then what are my healing issues? You know, where, where, and that person may need support. Who am I going to look to, to, to take a look at the projections I'm putting on my relationship, the, the needs that I have to, to assess, are my needs um, really something that are designed for my partner to give me, or can I give them to myself? Um. You know, there's a there's a lot of layers in there, but but I would say that the the internal work on relationship would be self to self first. Yeah, and I earlier before we started the interview, we were talking about this, and you mentioned something that I thought was beautiful, which is that so much of the relationship that you have with right. another person is actually just occurring inside you, in your head. Yes. Right, in your head, right? Because most of us, if we measure the physical time we spend with someone, and then we think about uh, how much time we're spending with them in our own minds. Most of the problem is happening in our own minds when we're not with them. It's not that we're not having conflicts with our partners. And it's not that there aren't things to work out because this idea that we can live together this closely and this intimately and be successful one-on-one, it's a a huge undertaking that we're doing in culture at this time. It's amazing. I mean, if you think about- Yeah, and especially because we're making the shift from- doing that purely for survival reasons and right. having these like much higher expectations of right you know sex forever and growth forever and all of right. those things happiness forever and be- because of that we've taken the what used to be security as in money family home food and and we've added love into the bucket of security issues so our safety as in whether or not i'm i'm being loved the way i want has become a, a primary safety issue in a very um survival brain kind of way when in fact it doesn't have to be but it has does that make sense that's why i said the the these primal brain issues are a little bit um they're they're a little untrue too because though being loved is important to me i, I you know, that, that if I'm, if you don't love me the way I, in my eyes, see myself needing to be loved, it means that I'm unsafe enough to die. It's just not true. Usually <laughs> I'm usually not, I usually didn't die because you didn't give me love, you know? So although, you know, we took a paradigm of relationships. If we, if we go back far enough, we think about what we, the amazing growth in our culture that we're living in a civilization where we're blending religious beliefs and cultural beliefs and we're putting Italians and, and Africans and, you know, Irish people in the same homes, never mind sharing the same village. And I mean, that's an anomaly at some point in our culture that wasn't happening. So we've blended all these different pieces and, and then we've gone from security-based 
marriages to um, marriages that are or relationships uh, that are chosen and designed to bring us love. So we've overlaid all of our desire to feel loved and accepted and to belong onto another one human being. That's a lot of work we took on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too much for most people. Well, and I mean, it's too much without any sort support. of shift in, yeah, exactly, without any support and shift in your skills to mm-hmm. actually do that. Right. Um, right. Because you need different tools. Yeah. We need the toolbox, right? We're missing a lot of the basic tools on how to communicate kindly, um, how to know how to, how to create safety within our structures, how to know when to step away, how to know what issues are, again, too big for us, how to know when um, we're hurting someone unnecessarily, right? Yeah. How to understand our own wound well enough to know what to ask for within it. Uh, awareness. There's such a, the framework for developing awareness in our culture is getting bigger and bigger, which is so exciting. How much awareness can we bring? Insight and perception and dimension to relationships now. I'm I'm curious, like as we're as we're talking about this, to get a little bit more specific about some of those tools for thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in particular, you know, and we're talking about safety a lot, and and so for the people listening, it might be helpful for them to know that we're talking about safety because. When you don't feel safe and you are literally triggered in your primal brain, at that point, all bets are off. Like communication <laughs> is not occurring, growth is not occurring, love is not occurring. At that point, you're in a, a protection mechanism right. for yourself. Right. So, right. um, so it requ- right. So it requires a certain kind of safety. Now, the myth is that safety means that you will act a particular way to make me feel safe. So the first thing we do is we debunk some of those myths, which is to look at what's your responsibility, what's your partner's responsibility. If I if it's my job to feel safe, even though you are moody, that's my job to feel safe around your moods. It's not necessarily to get you to change your mood so that I feel safe. So this ownership, uh, number one, is like the self-ownership of who we are and, and knowing, again, the boundaries of what belongs to the relationship and what doesn't hmm. so that I know what my job is and what your job is. Um, that safety, if we get those types of agreements in place, and, and again, even the agreement for uh, we entered into a blow-up and we need to know how to reset ourselves, how to step away from it, and what to come back to. And, and that action we come back to needs to be an action of positivity. Those are like reset uh, tools. Once there's enough stability in a relationship, what occurs naturally is we get excited to transform. And we step almost unconsciously, we, we progress through a stage and that we begin to search for the next level of healing. Usually we know we did that because at some point or another we crash <laughs> because in the transformation, we hit an edge where we've never surpassed before with anyone intimately mm. and we don't know how to do it. So we, we bang up against our limitations, our intimate limitations, which are healthy and the relationship then therefore needs to come back to the um, guidelines and reestablish safety. And then they'll do it again. It's beautiful. So... <laughs> 
It's a beautiful gift. Once we get it, we sort of get that, wow, this crash that we're having is just a sign that we're growing and how amazing that we're growing. Let's go back and figure out what agreements we can put in place now to keep ourselves safe at this stage so that we can create some stability and enjoy the change, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of seeing it as like, oh, here we are again. We did something wrong. Yeah. And I think... Uh, Gay and Katie Hendricks talk a lot about that in their they they coin it the upper limits problem where yeah. you've you've hit this ceiling it's more than you ever thought that was possible and if you don't actually pay attention to that and allow yourselves to integrate and maybe create those new agreements and and really reestablish the the what your commitments are now what your agreements are now and then you will like crash as a, like a way of bringing yourself back down to where you, what you thought, what you used to think was possible. Right. Right. And, and I love the, I love having in like the tools for uh, what I call energizing, which is uh, how do we, again, energize positivity in our partners, the what's going right exercises, uh, the being able to see beyond the practical moment and, 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 um, look for the essence we get, we could create. Um, there's exercises that, that we do to create, uh, that positive groove. We want it strong enough so that when, when our habits kick in, that it actually, we can come back to it. Mm. So we keep looking at building uh, positive platforms that prove to us, that give us actual evidence that we actually like each other and we want to be together and we're showing up and we're taking risks and, um, of course, inclusive of basic communication skills, whatever that couple needs. For me, it all takes into consideration one of the ways we create that stability is to know each other and to know ourselves. So if I understand, you know, I had this relationship in my, in um, the beginning of, of this relationship, this, this issue where I tend to wake up in the evenings and my partner tends to get really sleepy and he tends to pop out of bed at 5.30 in the morning and I want to stay until 9. And <laughs> You know, so at eight o'clock at night, my brain starts to get all excited about, especially after, since I had children, I would would put the children to bed and I'd want to talk about everything that went on all day and he would fall asleep on me. And literally we could be, you know, his eyes would just start to to close down. And if I was to take that personally and, and believe that that was him not caring about me, that could have created a dynamic that ended our whole relationship over time. Mm. I could have been so hurt by that. You know, to step into a relationship at the time we did and to know for sure that his falling asleep at eight o'clock at night wasn't about me, we then had to establish a protocol, which was an agreement that said that I will not bring up important things to you past 7.30 in the evening unless they are seriously in crisis. Otherwise, I will, I will protect you and your need to rest, just like you will protect me and not wake me up at six in the morning with some deep insight you want to have about our relationship when I'm half asleep. So there's sometimes so simple when you're asking, I, I'm hearing you ask a couple of times, like, what do you do? But, but some of it is getting to know the couple, getting to know each person, learning them. I get to learn them, each of them with, as they learn themselves and, and really develop tools and understandings to, to structure the relationship so we're not intending to hurt each other and that we're making sure that that's true. Yeah. One thing that I really liked and what you just said in that example that you offered was that switch from like I'm not going to bring up something at um, 7:30 at night because like the the traditional way that someone might go might come to that realization would be I'm not going to do that because I just know I'm going to get 
like we're not gonna it's not gonna be satisfying for me we're not gonna be right. able to have the kind of conversation that I want to have um but you flipped it and said I'm actually not gonna do it then because I want to protect my partner I want to have compassion right. for my right. partner's their his cycles his rhythms and or her rhythms and you know as right. the case may be so um so that seems especially right. with what you just said about how it comes down to the couple it's like can you can you develop an appreciation for these parts of your of your partner right and how do you right. honor them right and if i get to know that it's stressful for my partner to process information with me then i get to be the advocate to say i don't want to make you do that unless it's really required for me mm. so let me find a way to take care of our relationship and not have expectations for you to do things that you are already sharing with me you can't do yeah. So it doesn't doesn't mean we don't stretch and grow because what happens when that level of love and camaraderie is built in, we um, we get inspired to change. Like my partner has been inspired to push himself to stay up for those conversations when we need them because he knows that I wouldn't ask unless I really needed it. So the, the advocacy we build in as we begin to learn one another and want the partner to thrive. I want my partner to thrive. Yeah. He wants, they want me to thrive. Like that, what does it take again for me? I'm constantly looking at, is it possible within this couple to develop a paradigm where each partner wants the other one to thrive? Yeah. And why and wouldn't they? to do that. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they? The, yeah. Of course we do. Of well, course we do. Until we get hurt. <laughs> right. Until we blame. Right. Right, because again, this was something that was marked such a profound shift in in my relationship with Chloe and the work that we were doing um, was coming up against that, um, well, of course I want you to be like the best and most amazing version of yourself that you could possibly be. Except that it scares the hell out of me that like <laughs> that that's that you're gonna do that and then I'm gonna right. lose you or right. whatever you know right so right. um so I'm just bringing that up because for our listeners at home, most of whom i'm I think are really growth oriented people and and thankfully there are a lot of people who listen to this show with their partner as well um but so there, those people are probably thinking, yeah, of course, like I want the best for my partner. I want them to be who they are. And yet, if you really shine the light on it, that's where you start to bump up against the safety issues again. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what, you, what, you're, what, you're, what I hear when you say that is what, what I felt in my heart are the, the, the stories of how many people I've sat with, both individually and in couples and partnerships, where the terror really was about whether or not you're going to leave me, that abandonment piece, or whether or not I'm going to have to leave you. Because if I really um, step into reality and encourage and support you in being all of you, and that person that you turn into is not someone that I want, then what do I do? So, mm. but what's curious to me is often we're in it, when people bring that to me, they're like on the fence of ending their relationships anyway because they've been so hurtful to one another. <laughs> and they're so uncomfortable that they never got to find out, like, if we were two thriving people, would this actually work? You know, the fear of finding out the answer got in the way of actually living the thriving. And and it's a risk in our day and age because people don't stay together just because we said so. 
that that isn't in place anymore. Right. Um, not that I think it needs to be, but it isn't. Just to say the vulnerability in it. So getting back to our example of one person listening and okay, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the center of my own experience and this relationship is happening a lot in my head. And there's, there's my relationship with myself that I, that really needs to improve. And, and I really want to thrive. I want to thrive and I'm going to do my best to encourage my partner to thrive too and to see where maybe I'm not encouraging them. Mm-hmm. But let's say that person really takes that all to heart and they start thriving, what might they see come up in their partner? And how can they handle that in a, in a proactive way? Mm. Um, it could look like anything. I've seen partners just relax and the tension moves out of the relationship and it gets softer and easier. And there becomes a reality check that, um, that maybe the person doing this self-healing realizes that the purpose of being in a relationship for me is still being fulfilled enough that the four things that I'm not going to get, I can live without. So maybe I have a list of 10 things I wanted from this person and, and, and they don't all happen. And I begin to get humbled with the reality that like, oh, this is just another human being living another human life. They're, they're really not, it's not their job to fulfill everyone on my wish list intimacy things, you know? Mm. Um, sometimes the other partner starts to act differently. Uh, they, sometimes they act out and that becomes a conversation in the relationship. Uh, sometimes it does. I have seen peop- one partner in a relationship do three years of work and then, then they're in together. And somehow that time that it took was what the, what the uh, co-partner needed to actually be able to show up for the couple's work. Um, mm. yeah, it really could... It could look like anything, you know. I think that um, what's occurring I, I, to me is the the way that if you can be the example, like we were just talking about, that you might actually be showing your partner that it is safe to right. thrive, right? That it's safe and, to grow. And what I would say is this: if you have an agenda to get your partner to be different by doing your healing work to make it that way, it probably will there'll probably be some complications in that. Like to me, when I, when I finally, like I got to understand what I wanted this relationship for and I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a healer inside. I love the healing steps. I love the abilities. I I'm fascinated in the journey with myself and others. I live for it in all these multifaceted ways. Um, the, the seeker in me, the visionary just enjoys the process. That wasn't going to change. Did I have to make my partner do all that with me in order to feel seen? Well, no, that wasn't required for me. <laughs> and, and yet if I was doing all that because I want them to be something different, um, if I have an agenda for my partner to be different than who they are and I hold that long enough, it will cause a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's this interesting humbling moment of like, can I, if I'm doing that personal growth work, am I really doing it for me? If my partner was not with me anymore, would I still do it? Is this work that I want to do because I would like to experience myself differently? Do I desire to feel more peace? If I do, and that's what I'm doing it for, great. The rest will make sense as it does. If I'm doing it because I want to be an example and I'm trying to prove something to my partner and I'm showing up and I'm I'm like trying to force something to happen over here, you know, I have a feeling that will be a problem. Yeah, that does sound dicey. 
It's a little dicey. Yeah. You know, it's not that it doesn't happen. I mean, how many times do we uh, grow and it inspires a friend and they, they, you know, but, but the deep integrous piece of my purpose. um, And for me, sometimes someone stays in a relationship to do that work. And I've had people say, okay, the relationship is my stomping ground. I don't know if it's the perfect relationship, but I do know that I have healing to do. And so I'm going to stay in it to get my healing. And, and I'm not going to worry about what happens next in this relationship. I'm going to do the work I need to do for me because at the end of the day, that's what I need to do, whether I'm here or not, you know? So uh, there's that purpose-driven, value-driven piece that in the beginning of work I like to get to, which is understanding why I'm in and whether the relationship succeeds or fails, understanding that I can feel good about my choice to be in, you know, all the way until that moment based on who I am and my own values. And not based on whether or not you do what I want you to do. Right. Because then those values that are all self-based give you some solid criteria for knowing whether you should stay or not. Exactly. Then you're building your own sense of who you are. Um, When I was finally, after having these three intense relationships that, boy, were such beautiful stomping grounds of learning for me, um... I went onto the dating process to figure out if if I sh- should even be trying to have a long term relationship again, and and it was pretty open. Like, what would it take uh, to be in a partnership that was healthy for me? And the the realization in my dating process was that I need to feel healthy when I'm with that person. Like, I, I and so I be, I had this experiment. Like, when I'm talking to people, whether it's friends or people I'm dating, or when I'm when I'm hanging out with them, what part of me um, shows up? And, and are the parts of me that's showing up with this person, the parts of me that I actually want to live with? Because I was looking prior to that for like, what are the parts of that person that I want, right? What's it about the person? Who do I want my partner to be? It was all about them. Right. And, and this turnaround of like, it actually ultimately needs to be about me because I need to like myself at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to like the way I am with this person and therefore be who I'm choosing to be regardless of who they end up being. Just yeah. to add that little note into this this dance of how we do this. How do we show up and learn who we want to be now yeah. and choose, choose that person? Yeah, the, the process of choosing yourself fully mm-hmm. so that you can even choose your relationship fully. Right. One of those like couple core criteria that are fun to get in place, which is can I be in a partnership where I, where I am not thinking that my partner is out to get me, what would it look like? Another one is, can I be in a partnership where I'm solely responsible for my inner state of being, my happiness, my health, my mental health, my spirit, or my business? Nobody Mm. else's, Yeah. right? Can I be in a relationship where I choose me and I like who I am with this person or not, right? Yeah. And I want to advocate for people to get support if they're if they're asking themselves these questions because with support it might be a lot easier to get your partner on board with asking themselves those same kinds mm-hmm. of questions. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Um, I want to take a a moment to just mention that Gabrielli does have a website. It's Gabrielli.org. And I will have, of course, links to her site on uh, my site. 
In fact, if you go to neilsatin.com slash infinity, and then you will get the show notes for this episode, and you'll also be able to get links to Gabriele's stuff. We're also offering, um, thanks to Gabriele's generosity, to a lucky listener, a free uh, recording of the first in a series of teleclasses that are about to start. Um, they will have started by the time this, ep- the, by the time you're hearing this episode. Um, though you can jump in in the middle, um, and I suggest you do because everything's recorded, so you can get caught up on the recordings and and um, and join in. But Gabrielle is starting a teleclass called Magic. Are you willing? And maybe you could just talk for a quick moment about what that's even about. Sure. Um, Magic, the intention of this particular teleclass is to cover facets of our life like relationships, uh, health, body and being, uh, different ways in which we get stuck and to bring uh, energy um, activations, clearings, perspectives and teachings into the paradigms to see what shifts we can create. Um, in in our lives and all these different uh, facets and areas and they're listed on the website. Um, each teleclass will have its own theme. Yeah, so it's powerful stuff and if you are interested in qualifying to win the free uh, initial teleclass recording, then just download the show guide for this episode or you can text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 and just follow the instructions and that will qualify you to win. And of course, the show guide will be there always, so you can always do either of those things to download the show guide for this episode. And in case you're wondering, the reason why the link to this show on my site is neilsatin.com slash infinity, it's because Gabrielli's work is called The Infinity Practice, and it's, for me, been a profoundly changing uh, process of looking at myself, looking at myself in relationships, looking at my relation to other, other people in general, to spirit. Um, and there's a training program that Gabrielli offers as well. Um, can you talk for a moment about that, Gabrielli? Sure. Um, the Infinity Healing School has been going on for, I think, six. This might be our seventh year now. We have trainings that are uh, in Amherst, Massachusetts, in New Pulse, New York, and in Oakland, California. Um, the trainings were inspired by people who were asking if I could teach what I do. And I finally got brave enough to try it. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so um, there's training programs. We also have something called Immersion now, which is happening uh, Portland, Maine with you and Chloe. Yes. And New Pulse, New York. And there will be one in Oakland, California. And there's an ongoing monthly one happening in Amherst, Massachusetts. And Immersion is a three-hour monthly class that people come and join in and share in the healings and the activations and the teachings. And we create these beautiful spaces for people to dive into their personal growth work and and share and learn and expand their consciousness. Um, So those are happening. Uh, It's all on the website and people can also um, contact me directly through the website if they need to. Great. And again, that's gabrielli.org. Uh, I, I want to take a moment, and we're, we're running short on time, so this may be the, the last few things that we talk about on this episode. So first, 
thank you so much for, as always, your the, your generosity with your wisdom and, and insight. And I'd like to talk for a moment about the magic. And, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering for you, what feels generative as an offering to the people listening to give them a taste of clearings and activations mm-hmm. and, and how that can also have an impact on mm-hmm. their experience. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Because that's the part we didn't speak about in all of this discussion, which is how the healing work comes into play. Exactly. And in, in, in the sessions or couples work. Um, I, what's occurring to me and I have some shivers through my body in the perspective that uh, energetically we could um change our relationships in a flat second. So because so much of the relationship is energy and thought and emotion, uh, those are movable um, pretty quickly with just intention and shifting of our, our um, energy fields and our thought patterns. So I, I, I have for the last um, 19 years been doing something that I do, which is that I quote unquote, destroy and uncreate all of my relationships. And I don't go around with a hammer and beat them up, but I energetically uh, imagine that I can dissolve every construct and belief and form and structure that I've sent uh, as part of the, the way I see my partnerships and the way they see me. And and so I, I want to offer that it's almost like asking if we had no past, then who would we be? So if... Um, and it really came up first for me in relationship to my mother, which is that at some point, I love this woman more than eternity. She's an amazing human being. And for many years, the struggles felt like I could change like crazy and step into her home. And I was that same little 12-year-old kid being annoyed or frustrated or hurt by something. And um, and it just occurred to me that I didn't want to be that person anymore. And so I did a lot of clearing and activation to liberate myself. And, and I learned so much about her as a human being that I didn't know. And, um, and it was exciting to know her anew and to imagine that every time I could see her, I could learn her anew. Um, I've done this with my child and again with my partner over and over. So I want to offer the possibility that what if uh, the beloved in your life, what if, what if you could let go of all of the past ideas and thoughts and beliefs about who you are and who they are? And what if you could create that anew starting right now? And I'm going to invite you to take a breath and just ponder if all of the energy of conflict, uh, uh, pain, grief, sorrow, fear could dissolve and you could meet your partner from essence then who would you and who would they get to be in your eyes? And I'm going to do an activation, which is a way of clearing energy. I command the light of consciousness, this beautiful orb of sunlight, to liberate all of us from existing in the past and from projecting that into the future. And who would you be right now if your partner could be new in your eyes? Who would you be right now if you could be new in your own eyes? What would you let change? I command the light of consciousness to activate change and generate healing immediately. And breathing in and extending that through your whole body. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gabrielle, for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Mm 
thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.